0: Welcome to First Time Through,
1: New Eyes on Castle Rock,
0: with Kim Payne
1: and Otto Mullins. Welcome to First Time Through, New Eyes on Castle Rock, I'm host Otto Mullins,
0: and I'm Kim Payne,
1: and this is my first time through revival. By my boy, my man, my friend, my king, my liege, Stephen King. And uh, we call him Steve around here, as I'm sure you're probably aware at this point. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to say this right now. This is probably the least favorite one we've read so far, I think. Like, it's it's interesting and it's good, but, like, it's just so straightforward and normal and boring. So far. So far, I guess, yeah. We, uh, just so, uh, here's what you can tell, we'll tell you this now, uh, listeners, constant listeners, our friends. We read up to page, chapter 7, and, uh, we stopped there. I guess that's what, you know, you mean by read up to chapter 7, chapter 7. That's page 179. Um, and it does seem like Kim's right, like, we just, like, things were just about to start happening. But, before we get into, but that, that's why
0: we stopped there, is so that you're yeah, no, kind of at true. that verge of what's next.
1: <laughs> like I can't wait to hear about it. You were talking right before we started. Uh, I didn't have it recording yet, but I think like it's important that we talk about it again because you're right. Like I noticed it like when I started, um, so it's fun to know like what he has, uh, like what his bases are. So what were you saying about the dedication? Okay.
0: Um, I feel like this dedication is probably more important than some of the others. I mean, they're all really important, but this one tells you where he got his start, where, what inspired him, who inspired him. And uh, he says, this book is for some of my, some of the people who built my house. Mary Shelley, Bram Stoker, H.P. Lovecraft, Clark Ashton Smith, Donald Wondery, Fritz Lieber, Austin Derleth, Shirley Jackson, Robert Bloch, Peter Straub, and Arthur Machin, whose short novel, the great God Plan, Pan, has haunted me all my life.
1: Um, it's, and, uh, you know, we know a lot of those people from pop fiction as uh, uh, monster writers, you know? Mm-hmm. Especially Mary Shelley. She wrote Frankenstein, one uh, boring after noon in the middle of winter when her dad said she couldn't go outside. And Mm -hmm. H.P. Lovecraft is Cthulhuism, You know, he's got all of the big uh, uh, monsters, like, quite literally, that he's known for. Um, And it's interesting, though, that on that same list is, like, Shirley Jackson, who wrote The Lottery. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to see that. And then, um, you know, I never read The Great God Pan, but I looked up, like, you know, the Wikipedia page because I have access to all of the information in the world. And Mm -hmm. it, you know, it's a very interesting synopsis you know i've like i said i've never read it and it makes me want to read it but you know i would understand like especially because it was written in 1894 which is wild but yeah i bet stephen king probably read it when he was like you know 10 12 years old so like right the idea of like this experiment going so wrong that like people lose the control of themselves like we see that that is definitely going to stick around
0: yes and i think that this that is telling that that is the one that he highlights in that list and as we finish this book you'll understand that you know i can see where he got the inspiration for this from so many of the people that he mentions here
1: well let's get right into this recap then and talk about it so the revival ready go Alright, so we are introduced immediately to the Morton family, and that would be our main character, Jamie Morton, and he is a young, uh, you know, musical kid. Then he has brothers, uh, a sister named Claire, three brothers, Conrad, Andy, Terrence, one sister, Claire, mm-hmm. um, one parent, or two parents, dad, mom, um... I don't remember their names, if I'm being honest. It's he just, just really calls them dad and mom a lot, and uh, we are introduced to them. And he's just a normal, regular kid living in the middle of Oklahoma. And uh, one day, a uh, new pastor comes to work at uh, his
0: he's local not, church.
1: He, they're in they're in Maine. They're in Maine. Oh yeah. oh, later on they're in Oklahoma. Right now later they're in on Maine. they're in Oklahoma. So, yeah, right now they're in Maine. A new uh, pastor comes to work at their place in Maine. His name is Charles Jacobs jacobs thank you his his name is charles jacobs charles jacobs is married to patty jacobs and they have a son morty jacobs um and you know uh they're quite literally like from everyone around town they look like the perfect family and they love him them so much uh you know they're just this uh you know she's beautiful he's handsome they're both kind their kid is adorable and fun and nice And, uh, you know, the first day he moves into town, he comes and he talks to Jamie and he's just immediately has this like affection, this affinity for Jamie. He goes and he talks, takes Jamie back to his house. And, you know, knowing it's a Stephen King book and knowing, like, the plot of everything, I really did not expect this pastor to, like, be taking him back to his house for any good. But he ends up showing him uh, this little robot that he's built that of Jesus that he walks across the water. And, you know, he reveals to him it's a trick. It's not real. Jesus didn't actually walk across the water just now. It's just magnets and stuff. But I'm going to use this when I start teaching classes and stuff. And, you know, it just immediately sets the scene that they're, like they have this affinity for each other they have this feeling of like there's a connection there you know what i mean kim Mm -hmm, right absolutely that's
0: That's, and i think that's the 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 summary there is that there there there's instant connection between the two of them
1: so um he goes on and he's doing a really great job you know he makes a lot of connections with the town he becomes ingrained into the town he's doing a really great job as the pastor and i think it's three years later when his wife gets into a car accident and uh, she's coming around a sharp turn and the guy that hits her accidentally goes he's in the wrong lane as he's coming around the turn and he has a seizure at the same time so he meets head-on and then patsy and morty are killed and the pastor does not take it well um, he takes a couple weeks off and then he comes back to service that day uh... then like i think it's easter service in fact it's like one of the bigger services, so a lot of people yeah, are there. Yeah, so
0: everybody's there.
1: And he just pretty much talks about how uh, God isn't real, and he kills everyone, and that if you still think God's out there looking out for you, you're very naive. Um, and uh, one of the people in the congregation stands up, and he's like, no, man, like your wife was drinking when she came around that turn. That's why she's dead right now. Uh, and it's very harsh, but the result of that is him leaving town forever. He never comes back. And then we're sit- we stick with Jamie for about 12 years of his life. And he finds out that he's musically talented. He joins a band. He kisses a girl. He goes to college. He uh, tries uh, marijuana for the first time, which leads him to just getting, uh, you know, having uh, problems with alcohol. And then he gets drunk and he ends up uh, getting a motorcycle. And he gets in a motorcycle accident, breaks his hip, and he ends up, through these series of accidents, being addicted to heroin. Um, starting at the base of morphine uh, and everything, you know. And he hints at it not being the case, that he actually has been, like, sniffing heroin and doing it a lot longer than that. But that's what he tells us point blank. And That's his public message. Exactly. So he wakes up 12 years later, essentially. And, you know, a lot of this section is just quite that. You know, it's Jamie growing Mm -hmm. up. And, you know, we figure out, like, he's very good at music. And he's, like... I don't know. He's, he's an okay kid. Like he's not, there's nothing like he doesn't seem to be a normal kid. He's just an
0: average kid. Yeah. He's just an average kid who had some, made some crappy decisions and, uh, ended up in a crappy situation. Um,
1: so he ends up, uh, which is
0: not an unusual story.
1: No, especially not in, you know, like rural, like poorer areas. Like, you know, you see, right, like, right. and the you know an addiction and a lot more illness there.
0: Well, and then the time frame, you know, this starts in
1: the sixties, right? The seventies? Yeah,
0: in the in the late sixties and you know, he really comes to a comes of age in the eighties and that was all very commonplace, especially for musicians. Right. Um I mean, in a lot of scenes, but especially in a musical scene. So, you know, he he was just who he was just a product of his time and environment.
1: Yeah. So he wakes up quite literally. It's another chapter. And I really liked how Steve did it, too. You know, 12 years later, Jamie wakes up. He's super addicted to heroin. He's in Oklahoma, Tulsa. And, you know, he's gets kicked out of a band and he has he's trying to go score some more heroin at the fair. And he goes to the fair. Who else is there? But Mr. Daniel Jacobs, because Charles Jacobs has named changed his name to Daniel Jacobs. And it's 12 years later. He's now taking pictures with lightning of people and selling them the photographs. And when he takes the pictures, he has a projection that happens that makes them look like they have a big like cool costume on and like they look different and they look prettier and all of these things and then they take the picture and he gives it to him and like he sells these pictures to women all of the time uh, but he only sells them to women and like it was very specifically that uh, mm-hmm. he ends up uh, Jamie ends up watching this he ends up passing out Charles picks him up and takes him back to his camper and he's like hey I recognize you like I'm gonna I'm gonna make you better and, uh, you know, he starts to try to wean him off of heroin as he gets him better. And then he takes him to his uh, workshop, puts on these uh, goggles and this, uh, you know, this, I think it's, it's almost like a collar. Headphones. Headphones. Well,
0: they're like, like headphones, yeah.
1: And uh, I feel like there's like a leathery part that went around his head or something. Like, that's what I imagined at least. Maybe I'm wrong. But Yeah, no, I
0: think you're right. I
1: think you're right. And uh, he gets shock treatment and it goes directly into his frontal lobe and you know he blacks out and for a second he comes to life and his brain isn't working quite right he's got something happened something happened and he's like having muscle spasms and he can't control his talking um but he's not addicted to heroin anymore he has no compulsion to do heroin anymore mm-hmm. um so he f- pretty much like him and uh, charles consider it a success and he begins to stay around uh you know he was working with charles was helping him finish up like you know healing um, you know, he had had a limp out from his sister or from his motorcycle accident. And when Charles hypnotizes him, you find out about why his motorcycle accident happened. You find out that his sister died um, and you find out a lot of these like things and these other events that had led him to even being in this place. So uh, he sticks around and hangs out at the fair until uh, I think it's like six months later when uh, Charles's assistant, his name is Briscoe. He leaves town and Jamie asks if he can be his new assistant. He's uh, proficient with the guitar, so he ends up adding like some guitar skills to his performance. and you know, he stays with him for quite a while. and at the end of the year, when the lease is up, he ends up uh, Charles, when Charles's lease is up at the end of the year on his workshop and like the uh, state fair goes away. He packs up all of his stuff, leaves Jamie an envelope, and says, there's a guy in Denver that owes me a favor, and you can go work for him. Uh, mm-hmm. And he just disappears. And Jamie uh, ends up heading that way. Yeah, and he uh, says,
0: and, and there my life began for the third time. So, you know, it, it, it was like when Charlie left him, it was a reset.
1: And guess what, Kim? 10 minutes let's yeah. go yeah let's go ahead let's talk about the stuff we have coming up real quick let's do a little bit of promos for ourselves and for our mm-hmm. friends um, oh
0: let's also announce who won the pint glass
1: from the other
0: contest oh yes contest.
1: yes 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 sorry that took so long everyone and we can also announce um what won the uh um poll. Okay, so first things we should uh, talk about then I think is bum, 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 our poll results. So we just recently, last uh, two weeks ago, we asked you if we should start reading uh, the serializations of the Green Mile or if we should start reading parts of Four Past Midnights when we finish different seasons. And in a wave of overwhelming support, I think, what is it? It looks like it's 77% Mm -hmm. Uh, for The Green Mile so we will be uh, reading The Green Mile starting out and I think uh, thank you to one of our super fans, uh, Jake thank you so much Jake Uh, he helped me acquire a ton of new Stephen King books and because of that I have an extra copy of The Green Mile it is the mass market paperback edition uh, of the complete story, the complete serial novel, Kim and I are going to sign the inside of it And write a little message, and we're going to give this away to someone at the end of that series. And that's something we want to start doing a little bit more of, you know. We have extra books, and, you know, we want to make sure that they're given to people that we love. All right. And who will love
0: them as much as we do.
1: Yeah, that's true, too. Like, that was one of the big things Jake said. He was like, I really want these books to go to someone who's going to appreciate them. And I very deeply appreciate them. And the winner of our giveaway is... Uh, Oh, hold on. I got to hit the thing. Um Drew Beasley. Congratulations. Woo! Woo! Drew Beasley says for his cup he's going to put some soup in it. Maybe toss back a few rounds of chili while I read. Um which is a fantastic choice. I'm very proud of him. Um I hope it's not too hot. It seems like you might hurt yourself. Anyways. <laughs> Uh, we uh, are thankful for all of you for understanding uh, that we took that break last week. You know, we had a lot of things going on in our life. Uh, I had a new job, which I'm really excited about. Uh, it's been really fun. I got a whole new schedule, so I've had to pretty much rearrange my entire life. And uh, Kim's been really gracious and easy to work with, and real flexible too. Thank you, Kim, for that. Well, and, and
0: that's it's important, you know that, and we appreciate that you understand that we're real. We're real life people too. We have you know, responsibilities and families. And, and we've got to be generous and gracious with each other. And we appreciate you being generous and gracious with us.
1: Kim and I are also heavily involved in like local theater. Um, and we are just now getting a chance to actually get back into it. Um, and it seems like it's going to be here to stay for a second, which is very exciting. So we should hopefully be able to even have more, content and more ideas and more things to talk about and plug honestly uh mm-hmm. and we're really excited about that um but so uh we're going to be putting up this um, i'm going to be trying to uh get up a new calendar for april soon and we'll post that up on the facebook so make sure you follow us on facebook at first time through new eyes on castle rock and starting in april april 1st this thursday uh today you know the day you're reading, hearing this probably, or the day this episode came out, is going to be the first part of Revival. The week from now, uh, oh my gosh, I'm going to start all this over. Why don't you actually start this, and then I'll come in on the second part.
0: Okay. So as you are listening today, um, we're going to start the first half of the Revi- of Revival. Um, we're going to finish that next week, and then we're going to do um eyes of the dragon in two parts on the 15th and the 22nd and then on the 29th
1: the bridge uh, by joe leaguers our good friend local author it's going to be a big deviation from what we normally do and i'm very excited about it to be honest i really love young adult fiction it's so quick and easy to read but usually it has such a like poignant lesson and good young adult authors who are able to like deliver strong poignant method bleh, who are able to deliver strong messages with few words are impressive like Stephen King's short stories
0: Yeah and I'll I'll tease here a little bit that I've started reading The Bridge and it's really good and I was really engaged super quick so I'm I'm really excited about it
1: Your book comes out on April 23rd you can pre-order your copy on Amazon or at Barnes and Noble if you are interested uh, go and check out our Facebook we're going to be posting a link soon And honestly, you can just find it by Googling it. It's everywhere. It's amazing. And then um, we're going to jump right back in on May 6th with The Body, the third story, the fall story of uh, Different Seasons. So it will be very fun to read through that. Uh, Different Seasons has been a really fun short story collection to read through just because they're all so connected in some ways. And after that, we're going to be... We're going to be taking it uh, one page at a time, as Steve would say. Yeah, Um, and...
0: uh, You
1: know, we're going to be starting the Green Mile for sure. And uh, as we've been talking about at our year reunion... Or year reunion... At our year anniversary on my birthday, October 22nd, we'll be dropping... Or probably not October 22nd. I don't think my birthday is on a Thursday again this year. But we will be dropping... But that
0: week, we'll be starting uh, It.
1: It. Which is... I mean, and if you're not familiar, It is the title of the book not like we're not being facetious and being like we're going to be starting it you know it that book so i'm sure that i didn't need to explain that but i wanted to because i thought it was funny (laughs) and uh yeah that's what we have going on that's what we're excited about um if you have anything that you are interested in that you want to tell us, you want to give us any comments, shout outs, so you can follow us on Facebook, send us a message. We're, we're trying to be very quick about responding to them and getting better about it. Um, you know, we're going to be really, I think we're going to be, might even be like looking at some new stuff for the Facebook. It's really exciting. And mm-hmm. uh, got
0: some things coming.
1: We're hoping to uh, maybe to schedule uh, a, uh, before I start the drawing of the three, we have a little uh, Dark Tower talk back which is like we'd have a little live session where Kim is the moderator, so nobody can accidentally spoil anything for me. But that way we can have a live session where we can talk about it and ask questions, and I can uh, theorize with everyone and uh, ask you what you thought of your first times through it.
0: But y'all got to not spoil it for him.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. we the catch. So, we're <laughs> so scared of doing it because we don't want to get spoiled. we should uh, talk about our journey to, uh, you know, what's probably going to be, I, I feel like, you know, the sad thing is, is, you know, we, we promoted this episode with what's going to happen, you know, and like, that's well, the Well, yeah, but that happened too. in like the
0: first, that happened in like the first two chapters, and then, you know.
1: Yeah, but we also promoted it with how he's going to try and bring his life, wife back to life. So it's like, we know now, and I accidentally did that, that like, you know, that's what it's building to. But also, why is that the opening blurb? Why is that the way that you're advertising this book? Cause that's all I did was read the blurb inside, like the blurb, and I feel like that's- Yeah, but a disappointing there's way.
0: so much, no, there, there's a lot to get there. We've gotta go down a lot of paths to get there, so.
1: So let's start that path uh, on page one, uh, chapter one. I feel like those are always a good place to start, right? and absolutely um i think like one thing that's fun about this book is each chapter has a title which is different than like a lot of the ones that we've been reading and the mm-hmm. titles are almost uh bullet points of what's happening so that way jamie who is telling us this story um in some ways it's, it's a, it slides really really heavily between a third person perspective and a first person's perspective. Um, and it really it gives you this idea that there's like an out of body thing following Jamie around sometimes
0: yeah and you know it's it it feels almost like he's writing uh, a journal of his life and and he doesn't do a good job of keeping his tone intense. um consistent but anyway yes the bullet point the the ti- the chapter titles are like his okay this is what i his uh, outline for the chapter
1: so the first one for example is fifth business skull mountain peaceable lake um you know we find out fifth business uh is just kind of like the uh it, it's the he explains it in the opening thing and it's just uh In the movie, this character is known as the Fifth Business. He's the the change agent. And what that means is this character is going to be introduced to the character, and his whole life's going to get turned upside down. And he tells you that because that's the basis of this novel. Jamie is Mm -hmm. just this average kid, and then he meets Reverend Charles Jacobs, who is the Fifth Business and changes everything. So it sets up our normal Jamie kid hanging out, playing with some uh, soldiers, and he's you know hanging out with his friends billy and al and then charles shows up and you know he's described like in a movie you know he starts at his boots and he scans him all the way up and it's a good it's a scene that steve writes and i like it every time he does it you know he
0: does he does a really great job of putting you in the moment
1: yeah and it's great too because it's he puts you in the point of view even like at that young age of this little boy You know, like the way that he talks about seeing his kneecaps first and all of these things, the ankles, his shoes, like, you know, it gives you that perspective and just that reminder all of the time that, yeah, this is a child looking up at an adult. Mm -hmm. Um, So he hangs out with him and he uh, is playing on this mountain and he's trying to like build caves. And by
0: mountain, he means, you know, pile of dirt. Yeah, I guess I should (laughs) explain that.
1: He's playing with his uh, soldiers in the driveway and he's made a mountain out of a pile of dirt. And he's staging these battles on it. And the Reverend's like, uh, comes up and Jamie shows him how he's been trying to dig holes in it. But the, so the sand, when he pokes his holes in it, they just collapse. So the Reverend's like, yeah, that's rough. I'm sorry, buddy. And he goes inside and he talks to his mom and they hang out for a few minutes. And as he comes back out, he has a glass of water and he shows Jamie how if you make the water wet, the holes will stick. And Jamie's mind is blown. So he immediately, like, thinks that this man is, like, the coolest, smartest dude in the world because he took the time to, you know, in you know figure out what he was doing and then to help him, like, learn how to make it better. Um, right.
0: I mean, and, you know, any time that an adult takes time to uh, – a stranger, a new adult takes time to uh, interact with a six-year-old kid, that makes an impression.
1: And – it also is important, I think, too, that it kind of shows Jamie's got a predilection towards violence at a young age. Um, like at six, he's talking about how he's blowing off these uh, German shoulders, heads, uh, you know, and he's got a little bit of that inborn uh, backcountry racism. It seems, uh, you know, even he just, you know, he's using slurs and uh, yes, yeah, um, different, uh, uh, like and it's not outwardly and, there it is just well, something and again that is this is that normalized. you know
0: well and it's putting you in the
1: the time period and the place the time
0: period in the setting this is another one of those times when
1: you I know he's written
0: to a point that you know he's putting you in the mindset of
1: i'm no, the time like, and
0: place where these people exist
1: i'm proud of steve like in how he writes in this book Cause it Mm -hmm. is not. It is. He's come so far. Like especially when it comes to like race writing and like the way that uh, you can talk about that and use that and I don't know anyone that would make any argument that he is racist hasn't read any of the newer stuff that where he's learning how to write not that way. Well, where
0: he's learning how to show that that's the character, not him.
1: And it's not just that, though. It's the way that um, he talks, like, he points out, uh, he goes and specifically is pointing out white people now and uh, black Mm -hmm. people and Chinese people. He's he's not just doing specific races to, like, point out that, like, white isn't normal. He's using white even as well just to show that, like, there is no normal. Everyone can be anything. And I think. Well,
0: and showing the diversity of the world. Yeah. You know, you know, because not everybody looks like him. You know, and I think it's cool that uh, Charlie, Reverend Jacobs, actually says, do you mind if I just call the bad guys German? Kraut seems kind of mean. You know, so even right there on, you know, page nine puts out there that 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 may not be the right word to use.
1: Yeah. and I To think the
0: six-year-old kid.
1: Which is, you know, a good baseline for this character, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not just for Jamie, but for Charles, Charlie, as we'll call him, I think from now on. And, uh, he, he just seems like a good dude. He's there to like, truly like try and make the world and the town a little bit better with his preaching and like what he can do as a pastor. Um, and we get into chapter two and the first line is Reverend Jacobs got fired because of the sermon he gave on the pulpit on November 21st. Um, and for me uh, i really this is about the point where i was getting real disappointed in it and i was just like it's it's a slog for me i'm not gonna lie for the next like what is it 100 pages or so i'd say
0: yeah i i agree this book was not um he took a long time to get this one going and i know that that's and and it and, and it wasn't as engaging as some of them have been but
1: so, you know, the next part is pretty cool. Um, he His brother Conrad gets into an accident with a ski pole where he ends up getting clotheslined, and his throat ends up getting damaged in a way that he loses his voice. And uh, through a series of electrical, like, uh, experiments...
0: Well, but, I mean, I think that we need to back up and talk about the fact that, uh, you know, Charlie... This this is three years later from when we first met him, on the side of the road, and he has you know established that he's done all the things right. He's got the the congregation likes him; they're growing. He's connecting yeah, with the yeah, kids. They
1: love him. Everybody loves him. Like everybody loves him. His loves wife, him. his son, everybody is super happy that they're there. Um, and they're like they're just a good addition to the community at this point. And they trust him and they love what he has to say. Um, Right.
0: And they love his wife and they love his kid. And, you know, he he does um, electrical experiments and engages
1: the the... before you get into that real quick, though, I think it's important to say, too, that there's even a point where uh, Jamie's father says he's worried that the new pastor, because he's so young, would come in and teach some lessons about anti-communism or uh, whatever, like nonsense. But he actually stuck straight to the Bible and he was really happy with that. And mm-hmm. uh, I think it was just really informative for both of those characters, you know, that I think it shows how smart Charlie is uh, and wh- how he knows his- he's really good at knowing his audience. He's really, really yes. good at it. Um, and yeah. he's really good at getting people to like him. You know, he's well loved by most people that know him.
0: He's charismatic.
1: So charismatic. I feel like the mm-hmm. best, you know, the best the bastards are. Um, so then, uh, he, like you were saying, he gets those electrical experiments.
0: Yeah. You know, and he, he and, and Jamie are, you know, stay close friends. Jamie was the first kid he met. And so he and Jamie have got this special bond. So he's always showing Jamie these electrical experiments that he's working on. And, and then also the, the youth fellowship kids and, and just, there's, a.
1: He's a little inventor, and they make it very clear. He is. And like, he's
0: an inventor, and and he's um, he likes to experiment.
1: Yeah, especially with electricity. He finds it to be mm-hmm. the most powerful and like beautiful force of nature, a force on the earth in nature. And uh, after all of uh, his experiments, and three years later, like we were talking about, um, and it moves. It's a pretty slow three years, and it's only like twelve or ten chat ten pages. But, um, man, it feels so long. And uh, he ends up uh, getting in this accident. Jamie's brother, Conrad. Conrad, yeah. And he gets clotheslined with a skiing pole. And uh, he ends up getting hurt in his throat in a way that loses his voice. After he loses his voice, he goes to the doctor. And the doctor says, uh, you know, you may get your voice back. You may not. It's hard to tell. And Conrad ends up just using a notebook from that point forward to communicate with everyone. And uh, Jamie is getting upset with this. He's getting frustrated and he goes to talk to uh, the Reverend Jacobs and Mm -hmm. he tells him about it. And he says, Oh, I know exactly how to fix that. You just bring him around here in a little bit and uh, I'll get it figured out for you. And so he brings Conrad around and he has fixed up this uh, collar This one's the collar. That's what I I was. I was remembering the two different things. He's fixed up this collar and he puts it on Conrad's throat and he shocks his throat with electricity. And as he's shocking him, Conrad slowly says something and he says, good, good, good. Keep it up. And then uh, he eventually brings back his voice to like a grave whisper. And, you know, he attributes it at the time. He's like, wow, this is the power of God. I can't believe I was able to do this. Like Blah, 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 blah. Um, but he reveals later, and I think even Jamie at this point could tell, like, he was surprised it worked. Every, yes, he, he yeah. He did not expect it to work, and he even uh, reveals later on, too, that he made that instrument the same day. So, right, yeah,
0: he was inspired and, and just threw it together and, you know, hoped for the best.
1: He ends up bringing back Conrad's voice, and from that point on, Jamie's always just kind of sees him as almost a god figure to him, you know, he literally, like, created a miracle for his brother and it's something mm-hmm. that sticks with him for the rest of his life um, at this point three years in he's such a dedicated important part of the community the reverend's family gets in that car crash and his mother or his wife and his uh, baby they die and he ends up giving this sermon and in this sermon he he pretty much just points out how bad things happen life is unfair and if there really was a god he wouldn't be doing this um and he gets fired from his job preaching as you would imagine which makes you know a lot of sense yeah, And yeah i mean uh, you know
0: it's, it's real hard to employ a pastor of a church who doesn't believe in god
1: yeah so he ends up being uh like he gets fired and he disappears and he's never really seen by Jamie again for 12 years. Um, So then we get into chapters three and four and five, I think are all about Jamie growing up in high school and there's some interesting bits in it. And like, you know, we're going to go through those interesting bits, but the rest of it is just such boring filler that did not need to exist. Um, You know, it's, it gives him a reason uh, to do a it, couple of things but other than it that it does it's,
0: and you know i think that fl- it's also just showing that he's you know just portraying that he's just a average kid who does average things
1: it's just high fluff school
0: college but yeah i mean yeah there's not it's really it's a boring
1: way to inter- to give us all of this stuff like none of this had to be given to us right now it could have been given to us in heroin flashbacks like that would have been so much more interesting, you know. We have this character in a chair that is like weaning himself off heroin, and he's slowly like remembering these things from his past. And I thought that would just be a lot better, a more, a more Stephen King way to write this. This seems like such a boring, straightforward way to write this so far. And uh, he goes through high school. He gets into this really good band. And he plays rhythm guitar, and he, we find out he's really good at guitar. And because he's in this band, he ends up uh, finding a girlfriend, and her name is Astrid Sodenberger. And she's super beautiful, super pretty, and super into uh, Jamie. And mm-hmm. uh, he ends up, uh, you know, they're having a good time, and they go to a school dance, and after the school dance, they go up to, or not the school dance, it's like literally like the last day of their senior year or something like that. Um, something it's in that last yeah, time it's,
0: period yeah it's yeah um, it's you know they're they're getting ready to move on to college and yeah. just trying to live up that last summer
1: so it, uh, it starts thundering and jamie gets the idea that there's this place that the reverend had told him about before he left called sky top and sky top is the summit of a re- really close by mountain and it has a giant rod stuck right in the top of it and that rod just kind of uh draws all of the lightning to it and so that rod has been getting hit by lightning and it'll you know he tells him about how it'll glow red and it just looks like a horseshoe that just got brought out of the fire so he takes Mm -hmm. his his girlfriend Astrid up there during this thunderstorm and he sees that happen a couple of times and it's really exciting and he feels like these electrical charges on his skin and the adrenaline and everything and him and Astrid uh, just end up having sex for the first time there and they both lose their virginity up on that mountain and you know at that point it gets very it's interesting too because it's fun uh up until this point you know the jamie has been sober so he has all of these memories and they're really really strong and really intact mm-hmm. and then we pass forward uh a couple of years and you know he says my life just kind of fell apart with the band with uh, astrid you know we just drifted apart like there was no big breakup scene or anything we just weren't together anymore and
0: and as happens with high school sweethearts and people going away to college and you know they're they're young and they're moving on and
1: and so they end up moving on and uh, it gets really blurry here and it pretty much you know we find out that through just a bunch of sad events uh, Jamie is now uh, graduated from the University of Maine he's 36 he is painfully addicted to heroin and he loves going to movies he wakes up one day in tulsa uh and he gets kicked out of a band i i'm on page 130 is where all this starts by the way kim yeah
0: and and you know he played in bands through high school through college uh after college he just he kind of bounced around and played with bands all over looks like Kind of all over the Midwest and in Northeast, and just made his living being you know, a rhythm guitarist.
1: And we just went through this in you know a couple of minutes because, to be honest with you, it's very dull and it's not a good part of this novel. But uh, it's very detailed there's a lot of details of these Mm -hmm. times that jamie remembers and you know it does set up the feeling that jamie misses these times he misses when he was in high school hanging out with astrid and just learning how to play the guitar and it's it's told to you in a way that you can tell that jamie longs for these times to return but they're never going to
0: right you know and and we talked about at the beginning that this is kind of a journal slash diary slash jamie telling his own story and it it gives us an insight into what was important to him
1: and i think that that's also a very a big nod towards the mary shelley uh you know the mary shelley's story is completely told through a journal right and so having this also be told through a journal and having the lightning rod and the lightning and the reanimation and everything like it's nice to see like he points well, out the healing, his... the healing
0: through electricity. You know, him healing Conrad through electricity is also a nod to her.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like just the electrical currents uh, that Frankenstein would use uh, were just really revolutionary at the time that she wrote that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, he wakes up in the hotel 12 years later. He's 36 years old now. He is addicted to heroin. He is out of heroin, and he just got kicked out of a band that he had been working with. They were going to pay him six hundred dollars to play guitar that night. He had to show up at Soundcheck at five p.m., and he woke up the next day at eleven a.m. Um, you know, he's—it's a good way to just throw us in here and show where Jamie's at now. He is not doing great in any way—not—not
0: not well at all. Um, you know, and and the the lead, the leader of the band that fired him said. P.S. I guess you probably won't pay attention to this, Jamie. But if you don't clean up your act, you'll be in prison a year from now. If you're lucky. Dead if you're not. You know, the people around him can see that, that he is in a really bad
1: situation. Exactly. And it's not, he's not doing anything to get make it better. In fact, the only thing that he really has the plans for today is to go to the fair and score some heroin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... As he's going and trying to go to the fair, he finds out you know he's got to get out of his hotel at 1:30. Um, he tries to get another room, but his card gets declined, so he ends up just having to, you know, find somewhere to hang out for a couple of hours. And he ends up finding just a, um, a bus station to hang out at essentially. And he ends up telling us about how now he has a limp, and he was in an accident on a. Bike, and he ended up getting it broke in five places and shattering his hip, and that's how he also um, finds out how much he loves morphine. Mm-hmm. And that's which an- is
0: you know it's a pretty common story. A lot of people start out addicted to pain medicine for a legit or you know given pain medicine for a legitimate reason and end up addicted to it.
1: Yep. Um. He goes to the fair that night, and it's really, like, you know, Stephen King does a fun job of, like, setting up the fair and the mini golf and where all of the, like, exhibits are and the people that are there. Um, right. It, it feels like you can, I mean, I've been to,
0: like, a county fair. I've never been to a state fair, but I've been to a county fair, and, you know, you can hear the animals and smell all the fried food. And you can hear the ding-ding. I think he does a good job of putting you there.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and then out of nowhere he hears an amplified voice cry now that you've seen the power of my lightning maker the only one in the world I assure you I'll give an actual demonstration and he runs over to the crowd and he sees Charles um, who's now going by Dan Jacobs and he's built this you know I had to read it a couple of times because it took me a second to like really figure it out but he's built a projector essentially that takes a picture and then uh, projects that picture up onto a big screen with a like overlay over it, and, and right. so like it'll be an overlay of like um, some big beautiful dresses and stuff, or and what he whatever he does, right? He like tries, like uh, make
0: super, the, and and then it takes the portrait that he's the person and projects their image into this elaborate costume, and then takes a photo of it,
1: and. Um people love it um, and he only does women and he makes a very like clear point of that, you know and it does not very uh, and uh, there's one line in here that kind of tells me why. Um, he says every pretty girl carries her own positive charge. So that implies to me that men are going to have negative charges, right? So it makes mm-hmm. me think that his lightning machine or, like, whatever it is, needs a positive charge to be pulled towards it. And if he were to use a male charge, he would be, you know, the opposite. The lightning would go the opposite way and maybe it would kill the man or something or whatever it is. Um, and I know that that's pro- got to be, like, you know, it's just a one, like, quick little line that Steve throws in there. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, now that I've been trained to read these books almost, like, I'm, I'm looking for those one little lines that tell me the right. plot essentially. But-
0: that almost feel like a throwaway, but aren't.
1: <laughs> no, there's never a throwaway. Um, you know, Jacob shows here the skills that he had as a pastor, the charisma, and mm-hmm. he uh, brings it uh, to this. He calls it uh, he calls it a h- huckstering,
0: and mm-hmm.
1: he's he's just like, all I got to do is get these rubes, and I just got to trick these rubes, um, which was fun, and it was. You know, this is about, for me, where the book started to get interesting. Like, where I actually was like, okay, now that Charles is back, I care. Right, you know, right. Jimmy on his own mm-hmm. is just not interesting enough.
0: Well, but, well, and as we get into, yeah, it, it, it'll make sense. And actually, it starts to make a lot more sense in the next chapter after, not this one, but the one um, when you start reading the next time. You'll see how it all, they all tie together and how important jamie really is the focus of the story
1: okay well i'm interested to see how that goes then because here now um you know he it seems like he has a um, a, a seizure almost you mm-hmm. know he passes out and uh, when he opens up his eyes a uh, he's awake in an rv and it is our good friend dan jacobs who's now as we know him charles jacobs and he's uh pretty much immediately been able to like Assess what has happened to Jamie. He can tell while he's unconscious that he's strung out and that he's addicted to, oof, and that he's addicted to heroin. Um, and he I he mean, sure, you can see the
0: track marks and yeah, exactly. You know, you know? and and he's been, um, you know, doing these fair things, so it's not, uh, it's not. Like he hasn't seen
1: it exactly, and he even has some heroin that he's going to start using now to help wean him off. And he weans him off uh, because he's trying to wean him off, and it's because he has an experiment that he wants to see if it'll work. He wants to see if he can shock the frontal lobe of Jamie and get him to stop his cravings for heroin. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: he doesn't tell Jamie this outright. You know, It's, know, it's something that you assume and you figure out while you're reading. Jamie thinks he's just trying to help him. And in some ways, he is trying to help him. Um, you know, I, there's that connection there. They always care about he, about him.
0: Right. And, you know, it's a... Uh, I, I don't... Hmm.
1: Um,
0: the ulterior motive.
1: The, yeah. Jamie doesn't... It, it doesn't even cross his mind. Initially see...
0: it. Yeah, it doesn't even cross his mind that Charlie has uh, an, an ulterior motive to helping him. He just... He thinks that this is, you know, his childhood pastor, and he feels sorry for him, so he wants to help him.
1: And uh, right before he, he, so he weans him off the heroin, and he gives him a small little bump, and he says, go to sleep now. And right before he goes to sleep, he tells uh, Charles that his mother and his sister, Claire, are both dead. Um, And, you know, it's that first, like, sign of, like, trauma happened that really messed him up and he didn't know how to cope with it. And he ended mm-hmm. up coping with it by drugs and drugs are addictive and addiction is a mental illness. Um, and you know, Stephen King's always done a really good job of that, you know, justifying yeah, well, and showing he's, he's that He's uh,
0: familiar with that.
1: To say the least. Yeah. <laughs>
0: right. What you know,
1: right? Um, exactly. He ends up the next day, uh, going and starting this experiment you know he's talking about him he's finding out how he ended up getting addicted to it um and you know a week later um after he's been getting uh just these small doses of heroin they go well and getting over the
0: flu and getting over the flu because not only was jamie addicted to heroin but he was also just sick he had the flu
1: so he's getting the flu and the shivers and the shakes at the same time
0: right so he's in real bad shape so, you know, Charlie's trying to help him and hook him up and trying to to just get him through so that he's well enough for him to do this experiment.
1: And it takes about a week. And, you know, uh, a week later, he just kind of gets in the RV, the uh, front seat, and he drives away and he said, let's go for a ride. And he takes him to his workshop. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and this chapter was really good. Chapter six is really great. I liked it a lot. Um, It's called The Electrical Treatment, A Nighttime Excursion, One Pissed Off Okie, A Ticket on the Mountain Express. And uh, this is the last thing that I read. So I was like, yeah, like, I'm really excited about finishing this book and getting more into it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Yep. So we uh, started off, Jacobs uh, puts on these headphones, or puts these headphones on to um, our boy, Jamie. Mm -hmm. jamie doesn't really understand what's going to go on and we find out um you know this section uh, for me was really important because it sets up from the super objective almost you know since i knew that like that reanimation was coming for him to try and bring his uh, wife and son back to life um seeing now that he's spent the last 15 years researching this and working on it exclusively and working on this lightning machine and trying to figure out all of these things. And he tells you and all, all of, like, these
0: electrical experiments and
1: everything that he has and everything mm-hmm. that he started with, just that electrical collar its has gone right. so far. And he's even designed like air conditioners that are better than like regular ones. Um, and just different things that, you know, this man's a genius. He, he he's is...
0: absolutely a genius, and he and he's obsessed with the the special electricity, this next level electricity, and that it's better than nuclear power, and that it's more efficient than anything else
1: on Earth. And for him, like he says that that special electricity of uh, that special electricity is the the. The electricity that's in our brains and our muscles—that little bit of electricity that controls and uh, snaps between our synapses—that electricity is what he says is uh, more special than regular electricity. Which right. I mean, that makes sense to me, right? Well, um, Sure. I
0: mean, it, all and I think that's part of what this is—is is all of it kind of makes sense in a weird way.
1: And, yeah, no, like, a lot of, and even, like, Mary Shelley's thing, you know? Like, you know, you use defibrillators to restart a heart. So, like, yeah, Mm -hmm. maybe, like, a big enough, like, electrical shock would restart life. Right. And he puts on the headphones, he does the shock, and he just kind of wakes up, you know? He doesn't black out, he doesn't do anything. The next thing he knows, it's just, like, five hours later. Right. And he's or he talked. doesn't
0: think he blacks out, but he wakes up and it's hours later.
1: Yeah, and he has no idea, too. He didn't even realize time had passed. Um, mm-hmm. It's just like a blink almost. And he ends up immediately not being able to control his mouth and his body. And he says something, something, something happened, happened. And he's just, like, losing control. And then slowly, he, um, uh, Charles slaps him as hard as he can. And he finally is able to say Jamie Morton. And, like, get back into, like, saying his name. But he doesn't really still have control of his body. And then he finds out that he uh, lost that time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he tells us that he had told us while he was in that fugue state about Claire's husband. Claire had married an abusive man. So uh, when Claire finally told her brothers about that, Andy ended up going to... Uh, where her husband worked at, and he ended up beating her and said, "If you ever touch her again, I'll kill you." So they get divorced and everything. Claire goes her own separate way, and then her hus- ex-husband at that point comes back and kills her, and then he kills himself. And that is where we find out too that after Claire's funeral, when he was drinking and driving on his motorcycle, is when he gets in that car act, or is in that uh, motorcycle, motorcycle accident. Mm-hmm. So you know those dramas pretty much stacked on top of each other, and he just. He never got the time to process them, Um, which is just, it was terrible. It's awful. Um, Fairgrounds needs some rest. Something did happen. And, you know, he theorizes uh, this and, you know, he doesn't know what happens. He says that. He's like, something happened. I'm not sure what. He's like, I think I restructured your brainwaves. And Jamie just more demonstrates how he can't control himself. Um, well,
0: right, because like when he tries to open the door to get back in the the RV to go back to the fairgrounds, instead of reaching out to open the door, he sticks his hand straight up.
1: Mm-hmm. So he just says his synapses; his special electricity is not working correctly now. It's been yeah. maybe overloaded. Um, and
0: you know, and and Charlie's like that'll pass. You
1: know, and, and, and it's he, go ahead.
0: And, and it's like I don't know. I don't always get that. He's that Charlie's confident when he says that'll pass. And because he's like, I don't know, this is what I did, I'm sure it'll pass.
1: I think that it will pass. I think he says that it will pass because he says, Because I've seen it before. And it makes me think in that moment that he has shocked dead bodies, and those dead bodies had autonomous functions like their arms would shoot up and their muscles would work and everything, and they'd be stiff, but they wouldn't come back to life. So I think he's seen the muscle part of it before. And I think like the mental aspects are what's going to be new for him. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And that's what like that and made me a, think. And that's that's what a good I'm theorizing. Yeah, exactly. That's a good theory. <laughs> um, so uh, he's hanging out with him one day, and they're just kind of doing some tests and like everything. And he's like getting ready for uh, his job, and he's tied his tie for him. And we get this fun little part on page one sixty seven. I'm sure that made you smile. Um, and I just vaguely knew about it, um, but we find out that there was a time where. Um, this character was staying in Joyland, which is mm-hmm. a fun fun little amusement park in North Carolina, which is also the title and I imagine the setting for the book Joyland, a hard case crime novel by Stephen King.
0: Yes, so it we is. So those
1: fun little callbacks. There was also another callback earlier on that we didn't talk about. But the first uh, band that, that he joins, their original name is the Gunslingers, and they change yep. it to the, the Chrome, Chrome Roses, roses. Yeah. which is a brilliant name for a band. I stand with you on that one, Steve. Um. And uh, he ends up finding out a little bit about um, the uh, portraits and lightning that he's creating, and he tells him that like they don't actually last forever; that they disappear after a couple of years. And he's been doing it for a long time now. Um, and we also, you know, throughout these this last little bit, Jamie has been tempted with heroin, and he says, "You can have this bottle of heroin now if you want it." And Jamie doesn't. You know, he doesn't have that compulsion anymore. It just doesn't seem to be like it's a part of him. It seems like it's a dream.
0: Right. And like, you know, I know that I've, I've read about heroin addiction and that's just one of those things that, you know, once you're addicted to it, it's super hard to stop. And so often, you know, people who stop can't say no if it's offered to them in the future. So it's really important that, you know, not only does he, is he not having dts anymore and but he also doesn't have the desire
1: yeah he doesn't have that at all and it's just kind of gone mm-hmm. um and it's really good. it's almost like it's erased from his brain it's really interesting um and he ends up this is when he ends up working for uh charles now because charles still has like six months left on his lease in tulsa he has to stay here until then that's the only way he could get his workshop and he's doing all these uh lightning portraits his current assistant up and moves out west and he takes his place and uh you know but charlie out.
0: tells him from the beginning he says don't get too too married to the job because i'm gonna move on and i'm moving on alone
1: yeah you know he's a solo act makes it very clear yeah. very, and very very clear and we find out a little bit about jamie snooping through his stuff and he has these uh albums of uh Uh, his family and all three of them together and they're just like all like hidden away like a secret yeah
0: hidden away but but obviously well uh he says well thumbed they've been looked at a lot
1: yeah like just probably you know every day for 15 years he is obsessed obsessive obsessive, Mm -hmm. obsessive a fanatic and uh we get this really cool section. And I think this is like the big foreshadowy section for everything else that's going to happen. Jamie wakes up one morning um, and he realizes that in the middle of the night at some point he had woke up. He had started sleepwalking and Mm -hmm. he had tied off a piece of rubber around his bicep and like he was trying to, you know, mainline heroin and he takes a fork and he starts stabbing himself in the veins. Like he's trying to, inject heroin and he keeps saying something happened something happened something happened oh mother something happened um and he just can't stop himself and so he's stabbing himself trying to give himself heroin and he clicks back into reality and he says that he was controlled by something something right. has so, controlled him
0: so the desire is gone but,
1: but the, the compulsion is the still compulsion
0: there. is still there yeah
1: um And so he, uh, you know, ends up cleaning himself up. He cuts his foot really badly, but, uh, you know, he's not sure, you know, if this is what he has to pay to get rid of his addiction. He's, like, willing to pay that price, but he's still – something had happened. Something controlled him, you know, Mm -hmm. and it made me think, you know, the way that –
0: Something was going on that he didn't understand.
1: Very deeply. Um, So Tulsa State Fair is closing. And a couple of days before it does, a man comes and he knocks on the door and uh, he punches Charlie in the face and he just starts beating on him. And then, you know, uh, he comes over, uh, Jamie comes over and pulls him off. And we find out that the woman at the beginning of this section that he had taken the picture of is now in jail. She had apparently gotten so obsessed with the idea of how she looked in that picture that she went and robbed a jewelry store to get fine jewels so she could imitate the look in the picture. Um, and the and her
0: dad is convinced that it's because he did, because Charlie did something to her when he took the photograph.
1: He says that she's different after the photograph. You know, she's a lot more mm-hmm. airy and she's trying, she had a much more, uh, she had no problem with uh, security. Like, you know, like anybody like saying anything like that. Uh, what am I trying to say? She had a uh, problem with authority. Like she would just defy it. Yeah. Um, she goes and she, uh, steal these jewels and then she gets put in prison and this dad blames it on him. Um, and Jamie takes him aside and says, I'm his agent, just talk to me, we'll figure it out. And, uh, you know, Jamie at this point is kind of a little... Uh, since this comes right after Jamie has also been controlled into doing something he doesn't understand, he it, it, it freaks him out a little bit, you know?
0: Right, right. He's super sympathetic to the situation because he's also doing things that are outside of his normal behavior and out of his control. So he believes the guy.
1: Um, and, you know, he comes back to talk to Charlie, and Charlie says, hey, uh, like, yeah, that's probably what happened. And he says, well, you have to fix her. And he says, look, I can't fix her. There have been after effects from time to time. Like, this has happened. Like, this is just the most, like, amazing one. Like, the most spectacular is what he says. And he says, so you're self-teaching yourself all of this. Everyone's a guinea pig. And he says, was I a guinea pig? And he says, are you better now or not? And he says, yes. Except for the occasional early morning stabathon that was. And I just love, you know, Stephen King has such a knack for, like, putting just some very plain, like exception or but or something in there you know, right. he'll he'll use that like fun like yeah blah 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 except the stabathon which is like such right. a childish like little word like so out of place and so good i like it a lot um and he ends up uh that's their last show for that day like ever it seems
0: right they're, they're moving on
1: he wakes up the next day there's a envelope under his door it has a train ticket in it and it says, thanks you, uh, thanks for the work. You know, Here's a man that owes me a favor, and uh, he'll give you a job. It's in Denver. And uh, he heads off for Denver.
0: For and the beginning. Says, go yeah, ahead. Go ahead.
1: I was going to just read that last bit like you had, mm-hmm. but go for it. No, you go for it. All right. And then uh, when he gets to Denver, he takes the bus to Nederland, high up on the western slope of the Rockies. There I met Hugh Gates and my... Began my there, I met Hugh Gates and began my life for the third time, and that is where we stopped for this edition, a first time through. New eyes on Castle Rock. Um, I'm not gonna lie, this is one of my least favorites so far, but I do feel like uh, it's gonna, it, it's on the verge of being so much better right now.
0: It is. It is the the exposition exposition and this one takes a little bit longer um, and has a lot of things that maybe aren't es- or don't feel essential right now
1: well, but I also uh, was thinking too, the second
0: like, half of this book really it's like a, a runaway freight train
1: <laughs> alright so this book came out in 2014 right um, mm-hmm. last thing we've just read what did we just read um, later yes That came out. That is what we just read, right?
0: It is.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So uh, the last thing we just read was later, which came out, you know, this year, which was seven years later, huh? Um, (laughs) And the thing we read before that was the Gunslinger, which came out in the '86, and it was starting '83. '83, and he started writing that when he was nineteen. You know, it's interesting now to see like what that almost forty years of writing difference looks like. You know his novels are so much more straightforward and easier to read now, whether that be, he doesn't want them to be as complicated or he knows more of what his readers want. Um, that is besides the point. I think it's really more about how he's just gotten to the point now where he knows how to be concise. You know what I mean?
0: Yes. In, yes. In some of the novels, his, he is much more concise. Um, and I think that part of that is is because this is not, and this is my theory, um, this is my theory, this is not a touchstone novel.
1: Right. It's so, not like one of the more important ones.
0: Right. It's not, um, you'll find that a lot of things lead to the tower or touch the tower in so many ways, and this is not one of those so i don't think it's i
1: it's don't want to say it's not, that gets not that as invested
0: in it right right well, it's still I a good story he gives it the full story effect and he does a great it's a great story but i don't think it gets the it doesn't get the same treatment i don't think
1: i really feel like sometimes he writes things to be adapted and this feels like something he wants adapted i feel like this will be a cool adaption like you know i think give so this too and an I amc like series that, is what i was thinking
0: well, and I feel like that this book is that the story is written in such a way that they could get all of the high points and it would be very watchable.
1: In oh, yeah.
0: the in the story it's written. As the story is written. You know, we've talked about how they have updated the 2020 version of the stand and have for 2020 um media consumption and right. i feel like this book could be produced in order
1: i agree and, and I it would think be that, a good story well and that's what i'm saying though too is i think that you know by 2014 he wasn't he didn't he doesn't seem to be writing as like complicated books either you know there's not as much like shifting back and forth and like memories and that kind of stuff and maybe that is just you know a very isolated case with just later and revival right now and that'll change
0: well and but later and revival are both written from the main character's point of view as which a journal name
1: jamie which is fun
0: both of them are jamie but they're also written as a journal slash diary slash telling their own story
1: right so which i, I think is, is
0: part of the reason it, that's where the similarities are there
1: Right, they're I written guess that, from
0: the same perspective.
1: When you put it in that frame, too, it makes it a lot harder for. See, I just feel like a younger Stephen King would have wrote this novel in the point of view of Jamie waking up in the RV and being through the throes of heroin addiction, and in those moments where he's passing out, he would remember all of his childhood. But then again, right, maybe right. If,
0: like like him seeing. Charlie would have triggered all of those memories. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, I, a, right. I absolutely see what you're saying there.
1: And I think that now, like, you know, we see this Stephen King who's trying to write a, a little bit more straightforward stories. And yeah, I think a little that, bit
0: more linear.
1: And it's interesting to me because it makes me wonder either, you know, he has so many books now. I feel like he definitely writes for different sections of his audience. There's certain mm-hmm. things that... Uh, like the Dark Tower, there's so I, I know quite a few fans that you know they love everything that Steve does, but they're not they just can't get into the tower. Um, you know, so I'm sure that like these revivals, uh, you know, these like sell the one off little books, um, those mm-hmm. are for his more dedicated horror readers, the people that just want the spookies. Right. Um, and I think that Revival has some good spookies in it, like it's very, I think it's getting, it's about to start getting spookier too. Any see, kind yes. of. Any kind of conscious brain control or conscious, like, losing yourself but knowing what's going on and seeing it through your own eyes, that sounds terrifying, right? Yes. That's a crazy, that's a very scary... Absolutely terrifying. Yeah. So I'm excited to see how that plays out.
0: And again, so far in this book, part of what makes it kind of creepier than some other things is none of this is things that couldn't happen.
1: Mm. So far, Yeah, that's
0: what I'm saying. So far to this point, none of these are things that are so far out there that they're not plausible. Right. So you know, that's kind of a. To me, that is part of what gives me a chill when I read things like this. Is that it's it's plausible.
1: It could happen in like I mean not this exact way, but definitely. In a way that is detrimental, you know? In a way that, like, you would be scared or terrified of something. Right. Right. Um, So, theorizing, um, uh, theories about revival. And uh, I know, obviously, like, she's going to... He's going to try and bring back his wife and his child, um, which is interesting. You know, I like, it'll be fun to see um, the level of success he has. But I think what's going to be incredibly scary is when Jamie is going to definitely try and go buy some heroin or something while he's uh, like doing his sleepwalking. You know, he's going to try to like take that next step uh, to do that compulsion. Or maybe it's going to bring out some other compulsion that he hasn't done in a while. And I think that that would be really interesting. I do think he's going to try, uh, he's definitely going to meet uh, Charlie again. Um, Maybe even this Hugh person is another name for Charlie, but I don't think that that's the case. I do think that he's going to go up to Boulder, and it's going to, you know, he says his life starts again, so I have a feeling he's going to be a much uh, cleaner, calmer, more together person. But he's going to end up having these, like, blackout moments where he ends up doing something, like, terrible that he can't control. Um, And I'm interested to see how that, like, is going to manifest itself, you know? Is it going to manifest itself in that violence, like, that we saw from him early on? Or is it going to manifest itself in a different way yeah Um,
0: those are solid that's that's a solid theory for the the direction of the story so i'm real excited for you to get into the second half of this book this week and i'm sure there'll be a oh oh that's what you were telling me to wait on moment i really here's like
1: (laughs) I think, like, yeah, no, I think that that, I, like, I always like those moments too. And because I think that Jamie is going to end up killing Charles and it's just going to be a big old happy ever after, as like Stephen King is known to do. Um, <laughs> and I'm, and it is going to be cool to see uh, that conflict from mm-hmm. Jamie and Charles when they eventually reach and talk about what uh he did to him because i think that's going to be the thing you know we're right on the edge of this rising action we're about to like really be blown away with some uh big thing that jamie's gonna have to go and find charles for and be like you broke me how do you fix me maybe he's gonna do a murder maybe he's gonna you know steal a baseball card who knows we'll find out soon that's right (laughs) um and that's i think all i have for theories yeah
0: Yeah, thanks for joining us this week for the first half of Revival.
1: I'm Otto. And I'm Kim. This has been my first time through Stephen King's Revival, and we hope you enjoyed yours. Pew, 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 pew. Otto, Kim, that was incredibly interesting. Great job today. If you would like to support First Time Through, you can follow us on Facebook, like us on Twitter, or send us an email at Through podcast at gmail.com you can also become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash first time through to get exclusive early access to get exclusive videos and to become our exclusive friends if that's interested to you i'm interested
0: first time through new eyes on castle rock is produced by empty theater productions It's created by kim payne and otto mullins editing by otto mullins Music by Jason Rager. Art by Kurt Payne at Who Knew Art.